Gospel according to St. Mark from the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning is from Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 15. And uh, it can be found on page 1552 in your pew Bible. Mark records, At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And at once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended to him. And after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Our lives are, are full of trials, aren't they? Anyone not have any trials going on in their lives right now or any, any other time? I've, I've seen like, <laughs> Yeah. Trial can come in the form of, let's say, the economy. It goes south, and our life savings and investments are suddenly decimated. Or our children, they grow up and start a life on their own. Maybe we wonder if they will make it. People that we love get sick. People that we love get injured. People we love die. And we get sick sometimes and injured. And one day, we too, all of us, will face death. Life is full of trials. Some say growing old is not for the weak or faint of heart. And I have a friend here in this church, and she says, growing old is not for sissies. Today's readings from the Bible talk about trials. In the epistle of James, it begins with this, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. And then the Old Testament lesson is the story of that incredible trial that 
God gave to Abraham and Isaac. Abraham was to sacrifice his very own son. And the gospel tells of the trial of Jesus as he withstood the tempter's full power for 40 days. So today's readings are full of trials. Trials are as old as Eden. You know, God warned Adam and Eve in Genesis 2. He said, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of knowledge, of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And we know that Adam and Eve ate. And we've been dying ever since. And while we wait for death, our lives are full of trials. Now, <laughs> Avery, <laughs> I'm so glad she's here. It's just such a beautiful reminder of life. <laughs> Love you, little girl. Now, even though we continuously bring trials into this world with our sin, God is able to transform these trials into experiences that prove our faith. So instead of destroying us, these trials become like the fire that purifies gold or some other precious metal. They are like the physical training that breaks down the muscle so that it can grow back stronger. The author of the epistle to the Hebrews, he put it this way in Hebrews 12, he said, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? For the moment, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So there are two kinds of trials. There are direct attacks from the devil, the world, and our own sinful nature. And then, or there are trials that God uses to test and to strengthen our faith. Today's Old Testament lesson is an excellent example of the kind of trial that builds up. Put yourselves in Abraham's shoes just for a little bit. Let's just say that you have trusted God with your whole being. And God has been gracious, and he has given to you a son, a miracle, a miracle child, really, a miracle child given at the ripe old age of 100. Now, 
Imagine that God appears to you and he says this. He says, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. God has asked you to give your miracle child back to him. And even the way God asks you, uh, it reminds you of this child's place in your life. He's your son, your only son, Isaac, the one whom you love. How many of you would pass that trial? Yet, we read that Abraham's obedience, it was immediate. Abraham rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey, and he took two of his young men with him and his only son, Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. No second guessing, no questions, no delays, just obedience. How? How could Abraham do this? Well, the author of the epistle letter to the Hebrews has the answer. In Hebrews 11, he says this, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. And the key to Abraham's, Abraham's obedience is that the Holy Spirit's gift of faith, the gift of faith, a faith in the resurrection of the dead that was his in God's promise of the Messiah. And it is only by the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through him could Abraham even consider such a sacrifice. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that he could make this trial, make Abraham's faith even stronger. Now, on the other hand, the trial in this morning's gospel is an example of the temptation that seduces us in sin. And in this case, the devil attacked Jesus directly for 40 days. Now, we have a special promise from God when we fall prey to such temptation. The Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write in 1 Corinthians 10 that no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape 
that you may be able to endure it. God has promised that even when the devil, the world, and our own sinful nature tempt us to sin, he will not allow the temptation to overwhelm us. Instead, he limits the power of the temptation and he gives us a way to endure it and eventually escape from it. And in spite of this, we still sin every day. Now the exact opposite is true when we apply Paul's words to Jesus. Listen to me. Since Jesus' ability to resist temptation has no limit, God placed no limit on the devil's power. This means that Jesus endured the full extent of the devil's tempting ability. That Jesus endured everything that the devil could throw at him. And in spite of this, Jesus never sinned. And that is why the author to the Hebrews could say in Hebrews 2, because Jesus himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. He could also say in Hebrews 4, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet he was without sin. Jesus' temptation is one more way that Jesus shows us that he is our true substitute. He is our true propitiation. Jesus had to become our substitute so that he could clean up the mess that we made. He substitutes his, his perfection for our sin, his innocence for our guilt, his virtue for our depravity. He substitutes himself as the target of God's wrath so that we can be the target of God's incredible grace. He suffered. He suffered hell so that we can experience heaven. He makes all the bad stuff that is our credit and credits it to himself. And at the same time, he takes all the good stuff that is to his credit and he credits it to us. The temptation that we heard about in today's gospel is not the end of the devil's attack against Jesus. For we know that even at the end, Satan continued to attack. You know, even as Jesus hung on the cross for you and for me, in Matthew 27, Matthew records, those who passed by derided him. They wagged their fingers and said this to him, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. 
if you are the Son of God, come down from that cross. And so also we read that the chief priests, the scribes and elders, they mocked our Lord on the cross. They said this, he saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down from that cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And we also read that the robbers, the thieves that were crucified with him, also reviled him in the same way. And even as Jesus was dying on the cross for the sins of the entire world, the passers-by, the temple authorities, and even his fellow victims were the devil's agents. They all tempted him. They tempted him to give up the shame, to give up the pain and the death. And right up to the end, the devil tried to get Jesus to commit that one sin that would cancel out everything Jesus ever did. The devil never surrendered. But in the end, he was totally defeated. Jesus never sinned. The most startling proof of this happened a few days after Jesus died on the cross, the tomb where they laid his lifeless body was empty. He was not there. He had risen. And if he were guilty of even one sin, we would be able to visit the remains of Jesus to this very day. But we can't because he isn't in the grave. He is alive again. He has lived a perfect life, died a sacrificial death, and risen to certify his per perfect victory over sin, death, and the devil. And his victory becomes our victory. The gospel, for the beginning of Lent, it teaches us that Christ is indeed holy, and righteous, and that he rejected all temptation. And at the end of Lent, we will remember that he became full of sin, but not his sin. He became full of our sin, your sin, my sin, the sin of the entire world. And as we remember the cross, we will remember that our sin filled him as he suffered and he died to pay the penalty that God's justice demanded. A payment that freed us from our slavery to sin. And we will remember that God saw him as a sinner so that he can see us as righteous now that righteousness is ours through the Holy Spirit's gift of faith, the faith that the Holy Spirit creates and supports through the preaching of Christ's message, 
as the one who conquered Satan, our Savior Jesus Christ proclaims the gospel and he says this, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. In the name of Jesus, amen.